Hey, I'm Danny Stover, and this is Today in TO, a podcast that takes a look at the biggest stories in the city and connects the dots on what's going on. Today's episode is a bit of a drag, but I mean that in the best way possible. Because if you know me, you know I love drag. And when it comes to the scene here in Toronto, well, I believe it's second to none. You'll hear from a handful of drag artists from Toronto who just completed the Drag Race Canada Season 4 circuit. And another queen who I've been a fan of for a very, very long time. And she done already done had herses as a contestant on Season 1 of the Canadian Drag Race franchise. Then you'll find out more about the oldest public library in Toronto. I'm not going to tell you what neighborhood you'll find it in, but I can tell you it's a Carnegie. And it's one of hundreds that were built across North America in the early 1900s. That's all coming up on Today in T.O. Look, I don't want to make this too much about me, but it is my podcast. And back in 2015, I was in a weird place. I just moved back to Toronto after five years living away, and this was something that I thought I was ready for. But I struggled. I struggled to find work, to find purpose. I struggled to feel good enough, and I struggled with money. And you know when you feel like you're just floating through life with no real direction, yet somehow everyone around you seems to know exactly what they want and how to get it? And you're just over here like, hey, I found a loony. Anyway, it was a lot of those feelings. Now, zoom out for a moment. A quirky little show called RuPaul's Drag Race had come out just six years prior in February of 2009. And I was a big fan. Huge. There was just something about the comedy, the camp, the beauty, the activism, the politics, the talent, the drive. I ate it up. They took their silly seriously, and I really resonated with that. And it continues to resonate to this very day, not just with me, but with fans and artists around the world. But back to 2015, it was February. And I had just moved back to the city and I'm not really working, so money's tight, but I feel the need to get out, maybe meet some people, be inspired. And I see that there's a show. It's five bucks. It's one night only, a one-woman show. It's called Bombshell with Tainomi Banks. And it was at a place that no longer exists, Zipper's Cell Block on Carlton, less than a block away from the former Maple Leaf Gardens. Well, the gay club, it's condo now, which is very Toronto. But for that night, it was a place of worship because the show was incredible. It was unlike anything I'd ever seen before. Amazing music, songs that I've only heard that night and then never again, but they ended up being some of my favorite songs that year. There was choreography backup dancers, outfit changes. The room was electric. And of course, at the center of it all was Tainomi Banks, who doesn't even need all of that. I've seen her single-handedly with just a microphone get an entire room of people to turn to putty 
in the palm of her manicured hand. And for this show, she pulled out all the stops, and not to sound dramatic. But I was forever changed. It showed me what drag could be, and I wanted more. I even came home that night, woke up my husband, boyfriend at the time, and was like, babe, you up? I just saw the best drag show I've ever seen in my entire life, and I feel inspired. Now, shh, go back to sleep. Now, I got the opportunity to chat with Tainomi about her new tour called Solid Gold, an evening with drag superstar Tainomi Banks, which we will get into. But I kicked off our conversation basically fangirling about this show that I saw nearly a decade ago in Toronto. And this was her reaction. Danny, you just honestly lit a fire into me right now. I for- I didn't forget, but I forgot at the same time. I need to bring that back. Scott Fordham, uh, he's a choreographer for many celebrities. He, when he was living in Toronto at the time, he, like, we had this conversation. He goes, you need to do a show, one woman show where you have dancers and different like moments are happening. And I just put all my trust in that. And I, like, I was so nervous. I sat in the kitchen of the zippers and like almost like had a meltdown because I was like, no one's going to want to do this and come see me. And then he came in, he goes, there's a lineup around the block. And I just, I was like, oh my God. People want to see me. And then I just made sure I gave the best show I, I, I got. And I honestly, Danny, you were changed. I was changed that night. That, that drag, I made sure I proved to myself that drag can be that and so much more. And that's why I think I'm the way I am with all the other queens. <laughs> Maybe a little, st- not like, I guess cunty is the word because I want like the queens to do the best they can do, right? Dive deep down and give us the show that that we deserve, you know? Try new things. And this is what I did in Bombshell when I did that. Thank you for bringing that up. Oh, my gosh. It, it was like the best show ever. Um, And I think I turned into like a true Tainomi Banks stan that night. And And talk about the audience. It was a who's who of Toronto drag. Yes. Yes. It was so good. Oh, my God. You know... That's when Nelly came undercover. She had a, like a backwards hat on, came with Anjali, who at the time uh, did the song Brand New Bitch. And both of them came in the back room. They're like, hey, nice to meet you. Um, just wanted to say have a great show. That like, who am I? You just have like, <laughs> these celebrities just coming in to watch, like get inspired. She's so inspired by me. I'm inspired by her. Yeah, no, I am so, you just got me in the best mood. I just, just going back through my memories about that. And it was such a great show. Tainomi is referring to Nelly Furtado and the two have gone on to become great friends and even toured together with Tainomi, Sheldon, dancing backup. You might be wondering now, well, how do I get in on this? You just sold me on this awesome show that happened nearly a decade ago at a place that no longer exists. Well, lucky for you, Solid Gold is hitting the road, going to Hamilton on February 1st, Brampton, Georgina, Ottawa, Kingston, Richmond Hill, Brantford, and Oakville. You can and should grab your tickets now at tainomibanks.com. But here is what you can expect. It's going to be, I'm going to dive, uh, I, I, I almost like a tribute to my mom. My mom and us just watched all these shows growing up, um, like these disco type of shows. And and when I um, someone told me the name of Solid Gold, 
that's what it made me. It made me think of my childhood and how these amazing divas, especially on the show, shaped my career now. And so you're going to be seeing a lot of uh, tribute type of acts uh, from me. Um, I'm going to be like almost like 10, 10 divas. I'm going to like, I'll name Whitney Houston, John Warwick, um, Anita Baker. I'm going to do some Tina Turner, some uh, Shaka Khan, and there's a few more there. So that's the first half of the show. And then the next half of the show is going to be like, you know, me, Miss Pop Queen. I know me. I have to do the weird songs that people love to take their phones out in Shazam. Um, I love, I love seeing Shazam at my show. Like, because it's like, I don't like doing top 40 all the time. I, I want people to like, you know, experience there's billions of songs out there. It's just like, why are we always doing top 40? Now, Tainomi Banks was cast on the very first season of Canada's Drag Race, which premiered in 2020. And spoiler alert, but also not really. It's been a while. Tainomi ended up finishing ninth. And 2020 seems both so long ago and also kind of like yesterday. So I wanted to know how Tainomi's life has changed since sashaying away on the show. Oh, it, dramatically, um, but in the best way. I and it was at the time. It was a weird time. It was like, uh, like deep. I call it deep COVID. Uh, <laughs> um, I didn't like. I did the show, and then COVID hit, and then and I just remembered. I remembered. I was sitting in my living in my bedroom, uh, emotional because you just don't know. Like you can't perform anymore, so you just think it's like kind of the end. And so I'm in my head, like, what do I do? What do I do next? And then all of a sudden, my manager calls me. And he's like, "Hey, you got direct book for a Super Bowl commercial, and like, drag, drag helped me get that. Like, people saw the show, loved me for who I was, and then decided to call me. And that was a massive turning point in my career. It brought my confidence back, and it made me feel invincible, and made me know that there's always a way through the darkness. You know." As of right now, there are only two drag queens who have ever been featured in a Super Bowl commercial. One is Tainomi Banks. The other, RuPaul Charles. Now, finally making it to the mainstream as part of an award-winning TV reality and competition show in its very first season in Canada. Only to then be sent home too soon, in my humble opinion. And then having a global pandemic hit? I mean, I didn't want to use the words ripped off but i did no i was not ripped off if anything and i i trust my mom my mom's very religious woman and she's always like there's a reason for everything and the reason why everything is happening so um i i it was almost great timing uh that that happened i'm sorry to say like that but i our show was the only show that was edited and ready to go and so we were only told we were told the day we were finished filming we were told that the show was only like Canada. It's going to be shown in Canada. Then all of a sudden, all these networks wanted to buy it because like production stopped. Our show was the most ready. And so I got shown all around the world and it really helped. I, I could go on tour. Like we, when we went to the UK a few, uh, maybe two years ago, the first time we went, the moment I got off that flight, I had like five people walk up to me asking if I was Tainomi Banks. It felt so amazing. Now, bringing things back to Toronto, I love asking these types of questions. But first, if you had people coming in from out of town, where would you bring them? 
Oh my gosh. I'm going to go first to uh, Woody's and, and then Cruise and Tango. Woody's is just like home for everything. And there's always drag and there's always fun people to meet there. Um, same with Cruise and Tango. It's just the girls are killing it song after song after song. So those are the first places I'd bring um, out-of-towners. What would you consider kind of a hidden gem in the city? So Paradise Theater is so nice. It just popped in my head. It is so comfortable to sit in. Um, the stage is amazing. The upstairs is phenomenal. There's a restaurant attached to it. There's all the things in that theater. I want to work there a little bit more. I did an event there and I was like, why are we not using this a little bit more? Paradise Theater on Bloor and yeah, food place. Oh my God. I'm, I'm a mess. I love the keg. I don't know. It's just so comforting there. I don't know why. I just love it. Um, but then I love my Thai food, Suko Thai. I love it. It's so good. And finally, how would you describe the drag scene in Toronto? Very inclusive and everyone and anyone wants to do it. <laughs> so sometimes that stage is overflowed, but um, we're so accepting and we promote living your truth here. On the way, you'll hear from two more Toronto queens that didn't take the crown on the most recent season of Canada's Drag Race. But of course, we still love them anyway. And where are they taking their friends from out of town? You'll find out next. The fourth season of Canada's Drag Race just wrapped, and there are spoilers ahead, so if you don't want to know who won or who lost, then beware. You might want to pause this, go finish the season, then come on back and listen to it. Now, I had the pleasure of talking to two of the Toronto queens that graced the main stage this season. One was Luna Dubois, who was the first Nigerian queen to be on any drag race. But like Tainomi Banks, Luna finished ninth in the competition after a bad snatch. Uh, a game, which if you don't know, snatch game is like match game. And it's basically a performance and improv challenge. Now, Luna impersonated Mary Cosby of the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. And as you'll hear, it wasn't the worst I'd ever seen, but it wasn't good enough for her to stay. And so I wondered if she had a backup. Uh, so I had Dominic Jackson, but the issue with that was they were like, you cannot play uh, for, for Canadian Dragons. It seems to be an issue for us. You can't play an actor as a character that they're known for. And in my previous tapes from season one, my Dominique is flawless. Like the makeup, like I literally look like her. <laughs> and uh, I, I couldn't really do it because everything I had to embody and like for me to get something made to wear to play her, I would probably choose like an iconic outfit from Pose. But we're not allowed to do that. So I was like, my options are limited and like, I was not really sure of what the real Dominique was like. I just had Electra in my mind as Dominique, and I was I, I was able to channel that a little bit in my in my audition tapes. And another one I could have done was Naomi Campbell, but like Naomi Campbell is just I don't know something about that woman. It's, it's just not good for Snatch Game. Watching the Snatch Game back, I chuckled a bit at some of the things I said. It, it wasn't it was not the worst Snatch Game I've seen in in, in Drag Race history. I'll say that. Especially in Canada, I've seen worse Snatch games. So um, I, 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 I'll say it. I think Brooklyn's was worse. <laughs> speak on it. <laughs> but yeah, so, so yeah, I, I, I was not too upset. I was like, you know what? That's not bad. And honestly, I don't know if you're a Bravo fan, 
of the Real Housewives, but the Bravo fans were living on Twitter and Love so it. I, I put a smile on their faces and I made them happy. And that's a little bit of a win for me. <laughs> Okay, I mean no disrespect to the now host of Canada's Drag Race, Brooklyn Heights. I love you, but you should have gone to jail for that Celine Dion impersonation. And so, like many iconic Canadian queens before her, Luna found herself lip-syncing for her life after the Snatch Game against another Toronto queen, Aurora Matrix. And no one was going to send me home. It was going to be Aurora because we, our, our drag upbringing was here in Toronto, which is very high energy. If, I don't know if you've been to the drag shows here. The girls throw themselves around doing tricks and bangs, performing in the most, on the most tenuous stages doing the most. So um, I knew what I was going up against. I knew like the caliber of our drag was very high. And I knew that it was going to be a good fight. Did I think she was, did I think I lost the lip sync automatically? No. But like for a song like that, especially like it's honestly forty. It's more catered to Aurora's drag. Like if you've seen a Luna Dubois show, I'm I do more R and B, more. And not that I don't do pop, but like my my songs are very niche to my drag, and no one would do those songs better than me. Kind of vibes, you know what I mean? Whereas I'm also versatile. I'll do like you know what's trending, like Tate McRae. Like you know, I served, I looked sexy, and I. And I gave, and it was a great lip sync. So going up Aurora, was, it wasn't scary. I was like, it's going to be a good lip sync. And whatever the outcome is, I will be okay with it because I know when I watch it back, it's going to look sickening. And it did. It really, really did. And in case you're wondering, the song they performed was Tate McRae's She's All I Want to Be. And I was going to ask Luna to describe Toronto Drag, but I think she already did. It's Queens Doing the Most on the tiniest stages. So next, I got to talk to Aurora Matrix. And spoiler alert, she was the first alternate, which is to say she was the runner-up. But she had an epic run on the show. And she's an incredible performer. And so I wanted to know how she would describe Dragon Toronto. Ooh, Dragon Toronto is fast-paced. It's a marathon. <laughs> um, and there's a lot of it. There's a lot of it. Very saturated. There are so many performers in Toronto, and it really is hard to stand out and make yourself unique compared to every other performer. And I think it really tests a performer to see who can really make it to the top and really stand out among the crowd. <laughs> Aurora is heavily influenced by her Chinese culture and has said in the past that she wants to be a role model for queer Asian youth. So I wondered who inspired her to get into drag. My first ever show that I did, it was an open stage and it was hosted by Priyanka, who is the winner of season one of Canada's Drag Race. And she's been someone that I really looked up to as uh, she's a South Asian winner, someone who works really hard to represent themselves and their culture and I really took that to heart because I was like, I want to make sure that I can do that with my drag as well. Now, on the show, Aurora had a lot of really cool moments, but there was one episode in particular, the makeover challenge. And I was warned that this would be a tearjerker of an episode. But Aurora's storyline was about her parents not really understanding what it was for their child to be gay, to come out and to be a drag queen. And so they wrote Aurora a letter that she read on the show. And it was this touching lovely moment. And so I wanted to know, have your parents been watching the show and what do they think? 
Yeah, actually, they've been watching every single week live um, from home, which is already such a blessing to me. But um, it was actually really cute. I gave them a call before the episode just to warn them like, hey, we're going to be talking about some deep stuff in the next episode. And I'm very happy with how everything got edited and put together. My parents were also very happy that we didn't necessarily get into too much of the nitty gritty about everything that happened. But I did have a very positive take on on the experience and I feel like I've learned a lot from that and now they're very supportive they're working very hard to try to show me that they they are enjoying it and they want me to succeed and I couldn't have asked for anything better so where can you catch an aurora performance I am a little Toronto village girl through and through. That's where I got my start. It's where I frequent my weekends. Um, for me, my home bar is Cruise and Tangos. I'm sure you've heard of it. Um, but love Cruise and Tangos. I love the vibe that happens there. And honestly, in the village, uh, Church and Wellesley in Toronto, there is drag seven nights a week, which I think is fantastic. <laughs> now, if you had friends in Toronto from out of town, where are you taking them? I really like to show people uh, Queen Street West because I think there are a lot of cool food places, a lot of cool shops. Um, I also really like to bring them to the distillery just to get the vibe of what like old Toronto feels like. And finally, what is your Toronto hidden gem? Oh, okay. Well, I love me a little thrifting moment. Um, I love shopping. Retail therapy is so just such a blessing. Um, but yeah, actually on College Street, I believe there's a thrift store called Good Juice Box and they have great denim there. So if you want to get a good pair of jeans, that's where I go. I just got to say, I absolutely adored talking to Tainomi Banks, Luna Dubois and Aurora Matrix for this episode. And I have been known to organize a drag queen story time or two at the local book depository. I guess you might call that a library. And do you know what the oldest library in Toronto is? I can tell you it's a Carnegie, and it was one of hundreds of Carnegies that were built across North America in the early part of the 20th century. With more on that, here's producer Glenn Bergonier. And before I let you know exactly which library Danny is talking about, how about we do a quick history lesson and I fill you in on who Andrew Carnegie was and why his name is so important to libraries in Toronto. Andrew Carnegie was a well-known industrialist and philanthropist in the late 1800s, early 1900s, who made his vast fortune in ironworks, steamboats, railroads, and oil wells. But actually, majority of his wealth came when he sold what was the largest steel core at the time, Carnegie Steel Corporation, to U.S. Steel, making Carnegie an amazingly pretty penny. So with all of his money, he donated roughly $2.5 million to create 125 public libraries in the city of Toronto, including the oldest one of them all, the Yorkville Public Library, which was constructed in 1903, but only opened its doors to the public in 1907. It was actually the second building that the Toronto Public Library system erected after receiving its Carnegie donation. The first being the Toronto Central Library building. Carnegie and the building architect, Robert McCallan, were fans of what is known as neoclassical style when it comes to the design of these buildings, which can easily be identified by its sturdy and yet symmetrical and simple use of columns, concrete, wood, and brick. Fun fact, 
If you were to actually cut the Yorkville Public Library in half from the south facing doors all the way to the north backing of the building, you would have two perfect halves equal in proportions and dimensions. Another not so fun but still fun fact, the Yorkville Public Library sits only 100 meters away from the Toronto Reference Library, making these two the closest libraries in the city of Toronto by distance. And so, if you love taking in of some of what old Toronto still has to offer, while exploring thousands of books lined in hundreds of stacks, and you really need a nice yet comfortably spacious relaxing reading room to just enjoy it all, well there's always room at the Yorkville Public Library. As RuPaul Charles said in their acceptance speech at the Emmys after winning Best Reality Competition Show, quote, if a drag queen wants to read you a story at a library, listen to her because knowledge is power. And if someone tries to restrict your access to power, they're trying to scare you, end quote. Now, can I get an amen up in here? And please, RuPaul, don't sue me. I can't afford it. This podcast is brought to you by 640 Toronto and features audio from shows across the Chorus Entertainment Network. My name's Danny Stover. Today in TO is produced by me, Glenn Bergonier, and David Spargala. Chris Dunner and Andrew Dernford are advisors to the show. Join me again next Wednesday for a brand new episode. And maybe in the meantime, share this with a friend or give a rating or a review. You know, anything you can do to help a poor podcast girly out. Now enjoy the rest of your week and we'll talk again real soon. Bye for now.